Attention all units, please stand by to copy a bolo. Bolo from Anytown PD regarding a delayed homicide. The incident occurred at 123 Any Street, Anytown, USA. No suspect or vehicle description provided. All units are requested to respond to helpsolvethecase.com for briefing. Clear Bolo, 0818 hours. All right. Well, this is Christine Burke here with Help Solve the Case today. And I'm very excited because today I'm talking with Brett from VMAR. And I don't even want to attempt to talk about what that stands for, but you can. And I thought it would be really interesting. I've worked with Brett on a couple cases uh, and, and to talk about that. And also just because um, <laughs> I think that people... For me, I want to know what I'm using or what I'm working with or whatever. And I think it's very interesting what a vehicle can tell you and things that I wasn't necessarily aware of. And because we work on a lot of uh, different type of cases from unsolved cold cases, maybe some wrongful conviction, uh, we may have an opportunity that we may need to go back and look at um, what the vehicle could tell us if there was a vehicle involved. And so I thought it would be really super interesting. Uh, Brett really knows a lot. He's been really helpful in some of the cases. Maybe we can talk about and just, it gives you things to think about because a lot of times, uh, especially if we're doing a cold case from years ago, uh, we have more technology or different things now, not that we necessarily have the vehicle, but it's, it's just so amazing, uh, the evidence or whatever that we, that we have at our fingertips. So, um, I will be quiet and, um, we want to give a warm welcome to Brett. And if you could just kind of tell me, like, I don't even know we've worked together a while. I don't even know your background. Tell us a little bit about your, um, company and how you kind of got involved in this. And then, and then the main question, like what, what can the car tell us specifically to your specialty? Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Excited to be here to talk with you. Um, so yeah, my name is Brett. I work for VMAR. Uh, that stands for Vehicle Mechanical and Accident Reconstruction. So primarily, we reconstruct accidents and do whatever it takes to accomplish that. We also do some work uh, investigating uh, like fires and arsons that another other people in my work handle. Um, but yeah, as far as my background, so I I got a master's degree in bioengineering, and actually while I was going to school, one of my professors said he knew a guy who did accident reconstruction and biomechanical engineering, sort of forensically, so he got an email from that person, and while I was in the office, he said, oh, this person's looking for someone to hire, and he's like, are you interested in a job? And it's like 20, uh, 20 bucks an hour while I was in college. I was like, yeah, that sounds great, so that's how I started about nine or ten years ago. Um, that was my previous company and now I'm with VMAR. So let me, let me interrupt you just for a second. So you said biomechanics, is that like, like your degree was in what? Um, Cause I uh, think people go like, they say, okay, I'm going to get a degree in this and I'm never going to use it. Or um, what exactly is the degree? The degree is biomedical engineering. Biomedical. Okay. So not yep. biomechanical, biomedical. Well, yeah, that's the okay. degree. And then I specialized in biomechanics. So took some additional courses and did a project related to biomechanics. 
Okay, perfect. Okay. So, and then you lucked out. That sounds so awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and you got the job. Yeah. Cause people say, how do I get into this? It's so, it's so fascinating. And so, so let me ask this, sorry, I'm going to interrupt. Um, cause inquiring minds will probably want to know, or maybe it's just me, but so what were you going to do if you weren't going to do this? What were you going to do with that degree? Or what did you think you were going to do? So I didn't really have a good idea. I was technically pre-med, so I was considering going that route. Um, I was kind of good at math and science and bioengineering sounded really cool. So I got into it and there are a lot of different routes you can take. Uh, A big one is medical devices to get into that industry, designing those and all the regulatory requirements related to that. Okay. Um, But yeah. Cool. Okay. So, so I guess if I can just simplify it a little bit is we're going to be talking about, um, and, and when you mentioned that I first heard about that, I did some SIU work, right. And so we had somebody come and talk about, um, the, the body, right. The way, and what we're going to talk about is, um, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, the biomedical is, is about the way the body responds to the accident. And then we're going to talk about the way the car responds in the accident or with whatever's going on or. Right. Yeah. Kind of the process regarding injury potential and a forensic view biomechanically is how the car responded to an ED impact or whatever happened. Then how the person responded relative to the vehicle um, and, you know, how their response correlates to a potential for injury or determining whether or not they were wearing their seatbelt or something like that. Okay. So what's coming to mind is the, um, is the ad where we see the crash test dummy. I don't know who that is, Volvo or whoever it is, um, crashing into the wall. Is is that sort of the kind of things? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, We use that kind of testing all the time. Those are called anthropometric test devices or the crash test dummies. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. They measure, they have, yeah, tons of sensors in them that measure forces and accelerations and all that. Wow. So it sounds like we might need a field trip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got a lot of walls well, around walls around the buildings. No, that that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So that, that can give, I'm a very visual person. So that can give um, our listeners cause they're listening, maybe an idea yeah. of, of, of what, what, what that's going to look like, what we're talking about, how the, you know, when the car hits it, what the car does and, and what the person, yeah. what the person does. Yeah. yeah. So like if a car hits it going straight and hits a barrier, the car stops, but the person's got inertia, so they don't stop initially. They go forward into the seatbelt. Hopefully, the airbag deploys if it's uh, deemed necessary. That helps them. You know, if they're not wearing the seatbelt, they probably go out the windshield. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let me let me insert my PSA here, my public service, whatever announce. I don't know what that stands for, but yeah. I just remember I learned that way back when I was a police officer that the force, right? Um, that you, you know, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, you want to have, like, you'd rather have a glancing than a straight on because that's how so much damage comes to the body. Because, um, like you said, the car stops, but that force has to dissipate some way. Right. Yeah. You can have a lot of trauma on your body. Right. Yeah. And you want it, you want the force to be the energy and force to be dissipated over as long as possible. So the longer the event, the lower the acceleration is going to be, you know, you can, you go in 60 miles an hour and come to a stop over 10 seconds and it's normal and no injury. But if you hit a wall, you come to a stop in 0.1 seconds. That's when you have a problem. Well, see, and see, this isn't even what we thought we were going to talk about. Right. I think, I (laughs) just think it's so interesting, right. Because it's just, um, 
um, people don't, don't realize how, how significantly, I guess you can, you can get hurt and, um, why things in the car are constructed that way and, and so on. So, um, so yeah, so I guess, um, you know, let's talk about like, I don't even know, cause I've seen you come out and, um, I think you had, you had like some computer apparatus that you hooked up yeah. to uh, what they like to call the black box or whatever. And, right. you know, what do you, what do you, what do you do? Like, what's it, let me just do this. Like, what's a typical day like for you? Are you out in the field? Are you behind the desk? Like what kind um, of, <laughs> mostly behind the desk. Uh, and then, yeah, I'll go out to the field to inspect the vehicles or an accident scene. Um, but yeah, it's all, the device is, uh, you know, is a special device for obtaining electronic data that's stored in the vehicle. And it's actually from the airbag module, which is the part of the vehicle that knows how severe an impact is, so to speak. So like we were talking about, you don't want, you don't want the airbag to deploy if you're just coming to a stop normally, but if you come to a stop very quickly, you do want it to deploy. And the airbag module is the part of the vehicle that has um, the processing unit that determines whether or not the airbags need to deploy or don't, or the seatbelt pretensioners deploy or whatnot. And that's where wow. we obtain the data from through the download. Oh, okay. See, I didn't even know that. So it's like a, like a G force kind of thing. Yeah, that- Accelerometers. Yeah. They measure the acceleration, which is G forces uh, term for that. Um, so if they're, they're high enough, if they come on quick enough, the car will think that it's going to need an airbag. So it's got to decide within about 20 milliseconds whether or not the airbags need to deploy. It can't wait till the crash is over and then say, oh, airbags are needed because it'll be too late. So it's got to look at that first 20 milliseconds or so and say, well, the acceleration came on so fast that it's probably going to be a severe enough accident. Um, we should deploy the airbags. Wow. Because I remember, I think when I first got exposed to traffic reconstruction, and I'm going to date myself, um, it had something to do with the the light bulb. Like I remember the the traffic officers who would do that, they there was something to do with the filament or something in the in the light bulb, like in the headlight, which, you know, like, you know, way back then. Um, yeah. But but that's so interesting, because I I wouldn't even think that it would be in the seatbelt thing. Right. And then we do hear all this stuff in the news again, like I said, we're going to be all over the place, but we hear this stuff in the news about the, the airbags malfunctioning and, and all that stuff. I mean, does, does that have to do yeah. with the sensor thing? Oh yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of claims about malfunctions that are not true, but uh, you know, occasionally there are actual malfunctions. Oh, and that could be a lot of, a lot of, um, damage. So, so, okay. Let me ask you this just from like morbid curiosity, because I I've seen some accidents with some airbags and and people, they seem to be really hurt from the, from the airbags, right? Like broken noses or forearms or like, I've seen some, some police officers really banged up from that, but can you speak to, because people don't like those and people disconnect the airbags and stuff like that. So, <laughs> so can you talk yeah. anything about, you know, even with the broken nose or, you know, abrasions on your forearm and stuff, the, the reason that that thing is so good to protect you? Yeah, you've got, it's all about kind of weighing the options, whether you want the airbag to deploy and prevent you from hitting your face on a hard steering wheel or a windshield. Um, they're designed and engineered to only deploy once it reaches the threshold where it it's going to do more harm. I mean, do more help than it would do harm. So impact severities are most are oftenly categorized or gauged by the 
change in velocity of an impact or delta V, which is a big term in accident reconstruction. So for instance, if you're going straight at 20 miles an hour and hit a wall and come to a stop, then the change in velocity is 20 miles an hour. If you're going 30 miles an hour and rear-ended, so now you're going 50 miles an hour, your change mm. in velocity is also 20 miles an hour. Um, so typically, well, you don't have airbag deployments or rear end impacts, but in frontal impacts, if the delta V reaches around uh, 12 to 16 is the range where you might get an airbag deployment. But when it gets around 16, you should they should be designed to deploy the airbag because that's when it's going to do more help than harm. Wow. That's just, that's just crazy. Cause you see it, um, uh, you know, and, and when they first came out, people being scared of them, but they're actually there to help. Right. And now I yeah. think some of the ones we have, um, side, side. Oh yeah. There's, there's airbags all over the cars now. Really? Both sides of the seats, the curtain <laughs> up along the top rail, there's knee airbags. Wow. Um, yeah. And then airbags in front are now dual stage. So if there's a lesser severe accident, they'll deploy the first stage, but if it's a more severe one, they'll deploy both stages so that it comes out um, with more force to absorb you going into it better. Wow. Okay. So, so when it, when it comes out and inflates, it's putting a cushion, but is it trying to push some of that force dissipate it back? Yeah. Or is it just cushioning you? Well, yeah, the, the whole premise is that it, it kind of catches you like a glove and you've got a longer time duration, which again, lowers the acceleration of your body. When it's, when your speed's dissipated over a longer duration, the accelerations are lower and that's, you know, helps prevent injury. Wow. So interesting. Okay. So, so aside from the airbags, um, are there other things that you look at? Like, like what is gosh, I don't even know how to ask this. Like, what is the most common thing that you're asked? Um, I would assume from the work I've done, like, was it going that fast? Did they break? Like what, what can the car, what can the car really tell you aside from the airbags? Yeah. Well, classically accident reconstruction, the big thing we're asked to do is how fast was the car going at impact or a little before impact? Cause were they speeding, you know, are they the cause of an accident basically? Um, and nowadays, well, in the past, you used to be able to do it with just, well, you had to do it just from evidence of the scene, like the skid marks after the impact and before the impact, along with the crush damage to both vehicles. Um, but nowadays, you can use that in conjunction with the electronic data that you can pull from from vehicles in the airbag module. And, and so, so, so does it tell you um, what, uh, like, would it, is it just about braking and speed or does it tell you, um, and we, and we talked a little bit about the invitainment center, which might be, you know, different about, I don't know. I don't even know if radio would come into that or the texting and all that garbage that's going on, but does it tell like turn signals or anything like that? How, what, what exactly does it pull? So I guess I should. So as far as, you know, there's different parts of the vehicle that we can possibly pull electronic data from, Okay. The, the main one is the airbag module, and that contains a thing that's called an event data recorder or an EDR, which is what people call a black box. Like generally. on the airplane. Right, right. Okay. It, doesn't, it doesn't have communications over radio like an airplane would, but it's, it has sort of what the vehicle's experiencing. So the airbag module, um, well, as far as what vehicles have them, so in from model year 2013 and newer, all vehicles, just about all vehicles will have them and we can obtain data from those vehicles. Um, some vehicles 
uh, go back as far as the the 90s, like GM vehicles, Chevy, GMC. There's some Fords start in the early 2000s, and so did Toyota. But um, 2013 and newer, um, most vehicles will have the event data recorders, and they can record um, non-deployment events or deployment events. So non-deployment is like it sounds. It's when an airbag or a seatbelt pretensioner doesn't deploy. Uh, typically, the threshold. So it, it won't record anything if the change in velocity is less than five miles an hour. But if it is greater than five miles an hour, it'll record a non-deployment. And then if it airbag deploys, it'll be called a deployment event. <clears throat> and both non-deployments and deployment events, they'll record five seconds of vehicle speed prior to impact, as well as the crash pulse, So, which, which would be the delta V or the acceleration during the crash. So some people are concerned that they're gonna we're gonna obtain like personal driving habits from the modules, but that's not the case with the, the event data recorders. That's only about five seconds of data at the time of the accident. You know, it's not so so uh, that's that's okay because I think what you're talking about is um I've seen it, I don't know if it's all state or progressive, like you put that thing in the car, they're they're watching, they're watching that all the time. They are watching your habits, yeah. Okay, but but the EDR only record so it's it's on yep. continuously but it's only gonna save when it's triggered right yeah it's continually yep. looking for basically the the algorithm's got to wake up when it senses a certain amount of acceleration it'll wake up and then if it it gets above a five mile per hour change of velocity it'll record it into memory and be saved there um now that data can be overwritten if there's another event or multiple other events and some GM vehicles will overwrite the non-deployments after a certain amount of ignition cycles. Um, but when there's a deployment event, airbag deploys, deploys, those will not be overwritten at all. They, they can't be. They're stored. And that's, you know, that's because initially they, these were designed for manufacturers to monitor how well their airbag systems functioned. So if there was a crash, they could go back and see, oh, well, you know, what were the details of the crash? And did the airbag come on at the right time? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, so they weren't, it wasn't, once again, technology that wasn't designed to spy on you necessarily. Um, yeah. It was, it was designed to, to gauge whether the product was working correctly, but now, um, so, so when you were talking about five miles per hour, so let's say for instance, I'm driving down the road and a deer runs in front of me and I slam on the brakes. Is it, is, is, is that something that's going to trigger it, even though there's it, not a, uh, a me hitting something else? That will likely not record an impact. The, the weight of the deer is too light. And that's the case we see, unfortunately, well, I don't say unfortunately, it's unfortunate we don't get data from a lot of the pedestrian and bicyclist impacts. They're just too light compared to the vehicle. The change in velocity of the vehicle is not going to reach five miles an hour. It might be like 0.2 miles an hour from a from a person or something. So, so a lot of times we'll check the vehicle just to make sure there's nothing in it. Um, but there won't be like the case. I think we worked on together. I checked, it was a pedestrian one and I downloaded the data and sure enough, there wasn't anything in there, but it's important to check. Hmm. Okay. So when I was talking about the, you know, Bambi, <laughs> yeah. um, even not hitting Bambi, like if you, if you come to a complete oh. to avoid Bambi. Um, it, so even though, because that would seem to me a deceleration or whatever um, at that level that the car is, st it's still not going to be enough to, to trigger a recording. Right. Yeah. You know, so deceleration from hard braking could be like 
0.9 G's um, of acceleration. And that, you know, the airbag modules record over 150 millisecond period because that's typically how long uh, an impact will be. But over 150 milliseconds, if you're at, you know, one G of deceleration, you're not going to get a five mile per hour change in velocity. Hmm, okay. Because uh, yeah, acceleration, yeah, acceleration is equal to the change in velocity over the change in time. Okay. So, yeah. All right, cool. Okay. So, cause I, well, I think people want to know, you know, because like, like we were just saying it, it was designed for this, but it, but it's in there, you know, and that, that's a whole nother section there. There's a lot of stuff that, you know, if you want to use the word spies on you and, and you don't even, you don't even realize it with, with the technology. Um, yeah. So um, I'm trying to think what, what else, like, do you have something really significant um, that you can talk about that kind of surprised you with the car? So we're, we're going to talk about the airbag, right? So maybe the airbag did not deploy, but they, they had a, a, an accident where they impacted something, right? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, there's cases, well, we've had cases, I don't know, this is kind of not what we're talking about, but people will think there was a, a manufacturer defect where the airbags didn't deploy and they should have. So we'll go and look at it and it will be recorded in there as a non-deployment event. I've had an accident that was a 25 mile per hour change in velocity, which is very severe. And like I was saying before, airbags should deploy anywhere from 12 to 16. It didn't deploy, but it it rightfully didn't deploy. It's because it was such a long duration. Oh. Basically, by the time the airbags would have deployed, the occupant would have moved enough and been out of position so that the airbag deployment would have caused more harm than it caused. Or then wow. it, it caused wow. more harm than good. So so the technology is is paying attention, right? That, yeah. That's- yeah, they have seat sensors to know where the person is. And if they're not in their seat, then you shouldn't deploy an airbag because if you hit someone on the side of the head with an airbag, that can cause some damage. Okay. So I want to know about that. Cause I, I know in, I'm trying to remember if it was, if it was in this truck or my other truck, like it would, it would, it would tell me that the airbag wasn't on in the passenger seat if right. So, yeah. so I've got to ask like, what kind of seat sensors, like what, what is your car? What does your car know about you? <laughs> like I have to well, ask that. Yeah. So that's one of the things I just, a Tesla case recently that we did, they have sensors for every single seat as, and as well as uh, seatbelt sensors. So if there's something recorded in your EDR, if there's an event recorded, it'll tell you the occupancy status of each seat, whether or not someone's in it and whether or not they had their seatbelt on. And a lot of them will also say um, adult or child based on the, the weight. So it's a, it's a force sensor basically that, measures the weight put on a seat. So like if you had a, a heavy box in your seat, it could think there's someone sitting there. Wow. So, so don't lie about who was in the car or what, yeah. what happened, right? You're not going to get, you're not going to get away with it. Right. Yeah. Now, um, it's interesting too. Cause like I said, I did some SIU work and they didn't, they didn't pull that all the time. Right. They did. They didn't, right. they didn't go and get that. Um, but they can. And so that's where, <laughs> Yeah, that's, I mean, that's you don't want anybody to lie at all, but right. you have to know that, you know, if there's, if you try to commit fraud, there's a lot of ways that you can be caught, um, including the infotainment, which can track navigation logs, but you know, that's a whole nother discussion. Um, yeah. And one thing to point out though, is that as there's a thing called the driver privacy act of 2015. So that 
the owner of the vehicle has to get permission to download that data um, or else you either court need a order. court order or warrant to get that. So yeah, it's important I mean, to know. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're, yeah, for the public. But I mean, if you're involved in something to, to me, getting a search warrant, like that's nothing they're going to get. They're yeah. Gonna- it's more relevant on that. The civil cases where it's like a, a small injury claim or something. Yeah. Um, I did when I was thinking about something that I had seen where the um, tire pressure valve uh, with some, is it, I don't know, probably read in some spine novel or some book that it records, uh, the, the GPS or some sort of something, is that true or whatever that, that it, um, they can track you something in the tire pressure, something. Does that make sense? That, that, that it would set off. Um, I don't remember what it was. Uh, the, the, I don't, I've never heard of anything in the tire pressure valve. Uh, so it was like, a, it was like a Bluetooth that they're that. So maybe you can look this up and, and you can <laughs> okay. come back and tell us, but I forget what it was um, that it, it carries some type of a identifier uh, in, in the tire pressure, something to do with the tire and the GPS or the Bluetooth or something picked it up, but I don't know. So I, I thought that was wow. really interesting. Yeah. I know a lot, lots of new vehicles have tire pressure monitor systems that'll tell that you. Exactly was it. The, yeah. So, uh, so that. Because that in your tire, but I don't know if there's any wireless communication with that. That's what they were saying <laughs> that it does communicate. So yeah. Wow. So like to know about that because, because again, right. And, and, and I look at this from both sides, you know, devil's advocate on the, the cold case right. and the wrongful conviction doing the criminal defense and stuff like that. Um, you, you know, I mean, if you're not doing anything wrong, but you kind of want to know what's tracking you. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. so I thought, I thought that was really interesting. Um, but, but so we were talking about um, during an investigation, you know, telling the truth. And one of the things that we talked briefly about before we came on, we we're, you know, I'd like you to talk about some of the work you've done on some of the cases, but I just think you had mentioned um, not talking about the police cases, but people in general, um, well, and, and it, it, it does involve the, the police, the police cases like accidents or whatever, that people's perception, because I think, and what we see in the wrongful convictions, people rely on their perception and eyewitness testimony and, mm-hmm. you, you know, talk, talk, talk about that. And then, because I, you know, I want to delve into what, what I've seen in the police work too, you know, not, not intentional, but the difference between what people say and what, you know, what I say, what the perception is, and then what the facts are. And it's so yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's, that's a big thing is, you know, if you trying to figure out what happened and someone's a witness to a crash or something, their testimony is obviously probably going to be given a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. Um, there have yeah. been, I don't know the titles or authors, but there have been studies that have basically had a, someone witness a crash or follow behind the vehicle and then ask them, you know, how far behind the vehicle were you or how much time elapsed from this to then. And they're off by a lot usually and not, not intentionally. It's just for whatever reason, psychologically, you don't have a good gauge of time or distance um, sometimes. And like one thing is people will say, you know, I was at the stop sign or the stoplight for five minutes before I was rear ended. And there's no, there's hardly any stoplights. They're going to have a five minute cycle. It's usually (laughs) one minute. So it's like, that can't be true. No I don't way know. Off. There's some long ones, but yeah, I <laughs> yeah, <understand>. yeah, <clears throat> yeah. It's it's interesting, and um, 
Again, yeah, but but so I've worked civil cases for per, personal injury attorneys, and that's one of the things, like you say, they you know aside from criminal cases, and they're like, okay, call this person and see what they have to say, and call this person and see what they have to say, right? And and yeah. you know, m- most officers, I mean, and may, maybe that's technology that's that's coming. I mean, God forbid they're putting the five G everywhere, but you know, the officer. I mean, we could get to that point that the officer, you know, sticks the little USB in the car and and it, it's going to tell them what, what it says. But the officer, you know, having done it myself, you if they're skid, I mean, that's the way I used to do it old school. Yeah. You know, what piece of the car is broken <laughs> and, you know, where's the what they call crush deformation or whatever, like where's yeah. where's the damage and the skid marks and what are the people telling you? Um, yeah. To, to try to figure out and that and that's like where it goes this one says this he said she said and if it goes to court um and that could be a lot of money in a, in an insurance claim or whatever who's gonna pay oh yeah who's not gonna pay yeah yeah cars are kind of going that way they're another technology i wanted to talk about i haven't got there yet but on toyota's lexus's and scions they're all sort of under the toyota uh, brand they have what's called a vehicle control history or vch which is, is a separate system, but it's also physically in the airbag module. Um, we can get data from it when someone hits their brakes hard or accelerates rapidly. So not even crash events, but some of them will take snapshots of what's in front of the vehicle at that time, a series of snap, like pictures, black and white pictures. And we, we've, we tried it on a, a rental car actually, actually, and found, you know, when other people were driving it, we found pictures of what was in front of them, basically. So it's, I mean, as far as a cop doing it right at the accident scene, that's probably, they're going to need a a warrant to do that type of thing. But there is, um, you know, video and kind of stuff coming out like that, especially with Tesla's too. Wow. Okay. So I want to talk about that, but that brings up something that I had in, in a personal injury case where, um, the, I guess the other driver, which I have a couple of friends that have, I'll call it the GoPro or whatever, you know, they've got. Um, cause I guess that's popular in Europe or whatever. Everybody just records Dash cam. traffic stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, in that case, the, um, the other driver or a witness driver had turned over the camera to police, like no warrant, you know, they just handed it yeah. over, but, um, that sounds really interesting in your case. So, so, I mean, again, this is privacy, right? We're, you know, the infotainment that that's something else we'll talk, you know, uh, in another session, but, um, so you're saying that that you rented the rent a car and pulled up where where everybody else was driving. Yeah. So you hook up a computer to it, just the the OBD two port under the dashboard. It's easy to accept. You just hook it up to there and then basically press download and then it'll give you the information. And yeah, I mean like, well, you know, it'll show that kind of does show driving habits. Like if you hit your brakes hard a lot or, accelerate rapidly a lot it'll show that you know it'll show well, that, well, that's the five thing. times a day that's the thing i i hear it, i think it's called snapshot or one of the insurance companies oh. talks about that right yeah. that, that's the same sort of thing right yeah that's it's very similar that i haven't really looked into those snapshot things from insurance companies very much but they must just be an excel an extra accelerometer that they put in there or it's directly connecting to the airbag module and getting that data consistently could be could be that but it's wow. probably just monitoring the vehicle acceleration over time wow. so if you ac- brake too yeah. hard or accelerate too fast 
Yeah, that's what they're saying because the they're trying to slow down whatever aggressive aggressive driving. I think I I don't know. I don't I, I try not to listen to the commercials, but I remember <laughs> I remember hearing that, and I'm like, well, you know, to me it's just a privacy issue. Like, why would you why would you put that? But um, you know, people well, to save money or whatever. Yeah, one of the things I wonder if why they haven't done, or I guess it's too much of a privacy issue, is give discounts for people who have dash cams. Um, like I have a dash cam and it's always going to usually tell you who was at fault. And that's what the insurance company wants to know. You know, it will save them money and, and uh, trying to subrogate or figure out, you know, yep. higher attorneys to figure it out. Um, but there's always problems with that. Like if you cause the accident, you just pull the memory card out and say it wasn't working or something. Well, I, I think that's, that's, that's the thing, you know, how, how much do you want to be monitored? If, if, if you're good, then yeah, let's have at it and let's save money. But at the same time, if, you know, even if it's accidental and, and you screw up or something, and then I, I don't know, it's, it's the whole, it's the whole privacy issue, right. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's very interesting about the, the Toyotas and stuff. So it's got a little camera and embedded in there somewhere. Yeah. Well, the, so the forward braking systems that I don't know if you know, adaptive cruise control, where it basically, if you set your cruise control, it'll recognize the vehicle in front of you and keep you at a set distance and fr- uh, behind that vehicle. So it's, it's got, you know, sensors, you know, LIDAR and, and now cameras too. Wow. So, yeah. so that's, I'm, you know, being in Arizona, have you guys, um, or, or is there anything I'll call it Waymo or whatever, right? I, I mean, you're bringing that up. Now we're talking about self-driving, self-driving yeah. vehicles and stuff like that. I would assume. Yeah, we're getting there. And uh, if all vehicles become self-driving, then that kind of is going to take a lot of my work away <laughs> oh. because there'll be less accidents, but that's way down the road where they're, they're all, well, like but then that, you'll but. be, you'll be arguing instead of for the person or whatever, you'll be <laughs> arguing for the vehicle, right? What the right technology it's, did. Yeah. Basically the, the software and hardware is working appropriately. <laughs> Who had the glitch, right? Yeah. Um, so, so um, I know we've been talking for a while. I just think it's so interesting. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit cause I had mentioned about perception and what I thought it was, was interesting, you know, having this technology and again, people using it, but you had helped out, um, in, in a couple cases, uh, one of them, uh, trying to remember, um, well, again, we have a, we have a report from, let's just say drivers that this happened and that happened. And I thought it was really interesting the way you were able to help us put it together, not only from, the vehicular uh, items, but from the body, the body camera to, to talk yeah. about what happened. Uh, and, and that was really interesting. Yeah. So yeah, on the criminal cases, it's um, when there's police involved with body cams, there's often more than one officer. So what we've done is uh, time synced multiple officers, body cams together. So you can see the accident happening from, multiple different points of views because if an, like if an officer's in a vehicle and they've got their body cam down on their chest, it's not going to catch. I mean, the dashboard blocks almost everything. But yeah, so let me tell got, you, I, if I see that steering wheel one more time, yeah, it's just an hour <laughs> of a steering is the wheel. most important part and that's all you're seeing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we've done. Yeah. In the one case we did, I think there were a few officers. We time synced their videos. And we also did a three-dimensional recreation of the scene 
using, I don't need to go much into detail, but laser scanners and a, and a drone to do a 3D point cloud and sort of recreate everything accurately according to time, you know, where vehicles were on the roadway. Yeah, I think, and, and in that case, um, which I don't, I don't think I ended up getting to see the final um, with the laser and all that stuff, but, but it was interesting to be able to, to have that because again, perception and not, you know, pro police, negative police or whatever. Um, I, I think it's very, very interesting that um, in that particular case where, where the, the charge was something against the police officer. Right. So, um, and, and this is something else that I talk about it because then they become the victim. Right. And so there, it was something involving mm-hmm. vehicles. And so then their perception of what, what they saw and what went on, you know, it's just a very interesting, it's a very right. interesting thing. So to be able to um, recreate that, because the normal thing for me is, you know, I watch one video, you know, I watch the body cam video and then I've got to watch the car video. And yeah, I mean, and hopefully they don't turn them off. That's, that's a whole nother subject, but yeah. um, you know, and then another car and another, and and it's just, it's just very hard. So having it all ha- at the same time, um, especially in that type of event, because that that thing was just a convergence of, you know, like <laughs> yeah. when an accident happens, it's not okay. We're well, then we're going to do this, and it, it's yeah, you know, bam, and and to try to sort yeah, it out. it's yeah, and someone who's in the accident's got you know their adrenaline going, and so for them to say something happened that's not entirely correct after we look at these synced videos, it, you know, kind of shows you that people don't intentionally lie. It's just, they didn't perceive it correctly or remember it correctly. Exactly. Right. How fallible, like we all think, um, I remember going back, you know, and talking about that, going back to the police Academy. And one of the things that they did to try to illustrate that was they all of a sudden, you know, like a fake robber or whatever came in the room and, and snatched something and ran back out. And, you know, we have 30, 40 <laughs> people in the room and they're like, you know, give me the description. And I mean, people are arguing. It was a red shirt. It was a green. It was a, like, <laughs> yeah. and it was a tall and it was right. So then you're like, Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Things that you think would be obvious that you like, or things you thought you absolutely saw, but didn't right. necessarily. And, yeah. and, you know, you've probably seen that in, 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 I don't know if you review, you know, the people's interviews or whatever, and they're adamant. It, it was this, it was yeah. this. And so um, I guess just giving people a, a little grace and understanding and in cases I have brought in um, for both police and, re- you know, regular civilians, yeah. the psychologists right. about, about memory and eyewitness and how all this happens. And, you know, we haven't even talked about subjectivity, um, which, which in the case that we're talking about, I, I, you know, um, based on what the perception was when it happened, so that they're thinking this and the other person's thinking that and um, yeah. just, just very interesting. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. People want to think they're correct. And you've got to read, you know, when evidence, you know, objective evidence comes out that disproves that you've got to be able to take a step back and say, well, okay, you know, you got to accept it. Well, I can be fallible or, or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I just think it's so interesting. And, and, um, that, that, uh, brings up something that one of the cases that I'm, um, working on now, 
you know, an officer is testifying in court um, with the memory and not even, not even looking at that, uh, which to me seems to be problematic. Like, why wouldn't, you know, why wouldn't you look at that? So. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've know. seen, yeah, I've had a case where an officer wrote in a report, something happened a certain way and their own body cam shows that that's not correct. And it's like, just go back and look at it. And, you know, Right. And again, correct, is, uh, is it, um, you know, like you're talking about is I, I don't feel that's necessarily intentional. Right. Because, right. because they know, you know, one of the things that I do and I go in all these cases is, um, I know where the information is kind of like, you know, in the car, okay, well, this is going to show this, this is going to show that I know within the, the police world about where the information is going to be. And the officer should know yeah. that the report is going to say one thing and dispatch is going to say another thing. And, you know, you're not going to lie on a report, but, but I think, you know, and maybe that's, maybe that's something I, I do some training. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's something to approach the Academy with. I don't even know if they do any training with the body cam or whatever. But um, if you think about it, what you were talking about, I, I guess as a police officer, and, and I'm just talking about myself, you get used to, cause people say sometimes like, well, that didn't even phase you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I mean, um, compared yeah. to a normal person, cause I, I'm used to seeing all that. And so maybe they just take for, I don't want to say for granted, but you don't even, you don't even realize the stress and the, um, all those factors that come on, like you just think you're doing your job and yep, I'm, yeah. I'm recording it in my head and I've got it all down. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm not an officer, but I imagine day to day, the tons of reports and, you know, incident descriptions they have to do and they just do it. And, you know, they don't really have the time to go back and review hours of body cam footage. Well, right. They don't get, they don't get paid for that. And that's, that's yeah. one thing when I, when I, uh, uh, I was process serving for a long time. And, and one of the things I was looking for my, my sticky, my sticky notes and I, and just trying to remember all that I would put it in the car and I, I would take one and I would put it on the papers and I would go to the door and, and whatever happened, they're not home or the dog's barking or the like, you know, and as I'm yeah. walking to the car, I'm, I'm writing my notes because I could have 20, 30 papers to serve and no, you're not going to remember it all. And then, and right. then that way it, you know, it gets put down there and it, it allows you to have more focus on the next call. But, but yeah, I guess yeah. it's, it's knowing, knowing your limitations and everything and, and where um, you know, finding stuff that helps us. I mean, that's why I think this is, this is so important. Um, yeah. Is there anything else or uh, I know, cause we're getting close to time, anything else that you think would be interesting to people or something that you've worked on that? Um, um, let me might... see. I had writ wrote some stuff down. Um... I think that's interesting about the cards taking the pictures. See, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Um, well, as you can imagine, one of the types of vehicles that can have a lot of data is a, a Tesla. Um, oh, yeah. Talk about a lot of people are, are turning to those. Yeah. So they have the EDRs like a lot of other vehicles do and record a lot of the same information, which I didn't really get into all the things that can record. But so uh, like steering five seconds before the impact. So that could show, you know, someone steered to get out of control or was turning left or whatever. Um, brake pedal application, the percent of throttle. Um, yeah. 
The seeds, you mentioned the seeds. The seeds, yeah, whether or not they were occupied or not. Um, but yeah, they're, that's what we can pull from a Tesla, but they store a lot more information than what we can pull. And that's sent to Tesla themselves. Um, and you have to either opt have out. a... a uh, I don't know if you can opt out I'm just, actually. Cause I'm thinking as you're talking about that, I'm thinking like, you know, that kind of sounds like Microsoft and like all that garbage on your computer that, you know, you yeah. automatically get opted into that you need to opt out. Right. Yeah. So, well, so the, that, that thing's yeah. constantly monitoring the cars yeah. and sending well, it to can, them. Yeah. With self-driving vehicles and their, you know, driverless stuff, they've got to know that their product's working correctly. So. Oh, uh, see. Video footage showing. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting the uncomfortable, uh, yeah. as my mom would say, the heebie-jeebies. Like, oh, like I just, I mean, I think it's helpful, but the public doesn't know. Like, right, th there could be a, a video of the entire incident, but we can't get it because we don't have a either a court uh, on my end, don't have a court warrant, a uh, court order, or a warrant. Um, and there's so much data. We we talked to Tesla before. There's so much data that you basically have to give them a, a 10 minute uh time or give me all the data from that vehicle over 10 minutes because just that 10 minutes is going to be hundreds and hundreds of pages of data just from the vehicle that they yeah, like, have always have you seen some of the the well i would i would assume that maybe the infotainment downloads like the cell phone right you've seen some of those cell rights like that that's a lot of stuff right but yeah. but just with tesla and you know i'm all for getting a warrant and whatever but i just think that people don't i, I have a friend that owns a tesla and i I don't, you know, not that I'm the major privacy advocate or, you know, conspiracy <laughs> theorist, but I'm like, oh my God, I bet she has no idea that the car is capturing all this stuff. Probably not. Some Teslas, I think it's either a Model 3 or Model S. You can put an SD memory card right in the center, center console and pull your data out like that, which is kind of cool that they allow you to have to get it yourself just saved on a memory card I, it's not all the data I mean, there's more data that they're getting that i don't think you can well but. that's okay so maybe that's in the user manual it's kind of like going to your facebook page and <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know when you download all that i mean give me all the analytics you have on me basically yeah right yeah that's scary too so yeah. wow it's just incredible i mean there's just so much um well maybe we'll have to have you back i appreciate it. i don't want to keep you too long um but it's, it's just so interesting. And, and um, I, I'm glad that you make yourself available. You guys have been really available and you did mention um, the fires, which hopefully I, yeah. I think maybe Dave, we can, we can talk to him because we do have um, a fire case that everybody is, is interested about. And um, when I was talking with him on the phone, he, he was talking again about just body position and, you know, things not looking right. And that's what I think you have to have is, um, in doing these type of cases, whether it's a cold case or a wrongful conviction, somebody that can just look at something like sometimes it's just a second look, not that somebody was right yeah. or wrong or whatever, but just a second look to be like, why is that like that? And then yeah. it take you down a different path because I think people get the tunnel vision or whatever, and they just, they Definitely. go down the thing and, and, um, it's kind of like they say, um, speaking of cars, you know, you want this brand new car and nobody has one. And then as soon as you drive off the lot, like everybody has the exact <laughs> same car. Yeah. And and yeah. so I think we can have bias as investigators or just as, as, you know, people like we're talking about recollection of stuff where 
you have in your mind what you think it is. It's so hard to distance yourself. Um, and then it, the train goes off in that direction. And that's where I think some of these mistakes happen. And for me, I try to, um, play the devil's advocate and eliminate everything else and make sure that it's not everything else. I mean, and you know, not that you can necessarily be a hundred percent, but to try to rule out everything. And that that's, I just think this stuff is so important specifically just what we were talking about, uh, you know, perception versus what I refer to as facts, right? Well, the car says this, you know, the the car has no reason reason to lie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much. I I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, of course, if if anybody, you know, we're going to bring you more of this stuff and just to let everybody know, if you want to join in and be a virtual investigator and and help with us, uh, aside from the podcast, we have the bullpen, we got the live cases that we investigate at uh, helpsolvethecase.com and at patreon.com forward slash helpsolvethecase. So thank you, Brett. Thank you so much. And we'll end it. And um, yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. We'll talk to everybody soon. Thank you.